75% of the people that booked a trip internationally got the idea of where they wanted to go from either Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest, which is like a huge statistic. You know, that's showing you that that's what has everyone's attention and that's what's really pushing where people want to, you know, take their next trip. The travel industry is rapidly changing. Long gone are the days of guidebooks, travel agents, and the quaint bed and breakfast. These days, vast numbers of people turn to social media, celebrity influencers, and sharing economy brands like Airbnb decide where and how to travel. To learn more about this space, Ivy hosted an ideas night with three leaders in the industry. Gil Antolin, the founder of Luxury World Travel, Brett Lockett, a partner at M2 Jets and a former NFL safety, and Scott Barber, a board member at Marriott Starwood and a VR specialist. The three are at the front lines of the dynamic future of travel and discuss how changes in our digital world are fueling an expanding global luxury travel market. Please enjoy our live conversation with Gil Antolin, Brett Lockett, and Scott Barber, moderated by Ivy's Director of Strategic Relationships, Sarah Zapp. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's purest source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor-distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor-distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smart Water or Smart Water Sparkling today and at your local retailer. Hey, let's talk uh, with you, Gil. Um, what really started to get you into um, not only enjoying travel, we, we you know, all love to enjoy travel, but really turning it into a business and engaging other people who had that same sense of adventure that you did? Um, well, so when I started the Instagram account, people always ask me, like, why'd you start it? Why'd you start it? You know, you got millions of followers. I actually started as a hobby. I just love to travel. And when I started it five years ago, you know, Instagram wasn't that big. I mean, if you had 100,000 followers, you were like a brand or a celebrity. And we grew really, really quickly. And very, you know, very soon after it started to pick up momentum, I saw how many people were engaging with us and reaching out to us and asking us like, where's that picture that you posted? Or I wanna go there, or how can I get there? And I just saw like how connecting travel was. And you know, for us, 70% of our followers are international. So this is not people in the US, it's people from all over the world are reaching out. And so I just, you know, I found Instagram and the platform um, really, really effective at connecting with people, you know, over something that we had all shared a passion on, which was, which was travel. And, and Brett, I think you, uh, you two have had some good times together out there traveling. Talk to me a little bit about the direction that we're going in the private aviation space. There, there's so many different options out there now. We all dream of wanting to be able to travel at that level. What really got you interested in, in this space and how you're seeing it grow? Well, I've always been a person who loves traveling, who loves to get to where he's going efficiently and effectively. And when I was done playing in the NFL, I wanted to figure out what that next thing I love doing uh, in my life was. And so um, a good friend of mine and now business partner who's sitting back there, uh, our founder and CEO of M2 Jets, Moshe Malamud, if you mind standing up for a little bit. Hey, Moshe. That's an... That's another person you want to be when you grow up, by the way. That one right there. 
<laughs> so, I mean, we met at, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's charity gala, and um, we just hit it off, and we've been friends ever since, but he started um, M2 Jets in 2010, bought his, his first aircraft, and uh, realized he had a lot of friends that love flying privately, and uh, then bought a second aircraft, and uh, I, had more I bet friends. he got a lot more friends after that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how that works. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, when I was done playing, um, we, we figured out a, a way to work together and really take this to the next level. And the landscape has changed because of social media. I mean, the, the years of you know charging fifty thousand dollars from LA to New York are gone. Right now, we have you know ride sharing platforms like Jet Smarter, Surf Air, and it's more economical for people to now fly privately than ever before. So how I see it transforming is it's going to continue to become more accessible to the general public, um, but still understand it is a luxury uh, uh, service. Uh, Jonathan, first of all, c congrats on your new uh, board assignment. This is really exciting. Where do you see um, your role coming in now with Marriott and, and Starwood? And this is such great brands. And to have you come in to really look to take this to the next level, what's exciting you the most? So by way of background, I have a hotel company, JSL Hotels, and Marriott and Starwood brought me on to their board because they're struggling dealing with the millennial issue. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, what? Yes. Uh, they, they would like to see how we can get the millennials into their Marriott and Starwood franchises by creating new lifestyle brands that are going to be attractive and engaging to the audience like this. Right, so all of you can personally call him later and tell him what you think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So when, when we're looking at, let, let's get right to what we start to see in some of the big trends of the future of travel. And boom, boom, boom. What do you see the direction that, that we're going in? Gil, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I believe like we're in a really unique spot right now um, with travel and not just travel, but in marketing because you know, travel is one of the largest industries in the world. But with the birth of social media and really like the push of Instagram and, you know, now it's like eclipsed 700 million followers, um, you know, that's really made the world a lot smaller place. And I'm sure everyone here can attest that you've probably been on Instagram at some point in the last, you know, two or three years and you saw a picture of something or a place you probably didn't know where it was or where it existed, but you might have put it on your bucket list. And I think that social media has made the world a lot smaller place. And we're actually seeing that um, in the statistics, you know, like the, the number one group of people that traveled international um, in 2016 was people, believe it or not, between 18 and 33, mm. you know, and it's because they're seeing these places on social media. And so I think like that's really <clears throat> driving um, where people's eyes are and where they're really getting their ideas for where they want to travel. And we see it all the time because we also have uh, a travel concierge that books this and people contact us and they want to go to these places. You know, and they're not picking up magazines anymore and they're not, you know, reading, you know, newspapers or watching TV or, you know, commercials. That's not where they're getting their travel inspiration. It's coming mostly from social media. And I think it was last year in the U.S., like 75 percent of the people that booked a trip internationally got the idea of where they wanted to go from either Facebook, Instagram or Pinterest, which is like a huge statistic. You know, that's showing you that that's what has everyone's attention and that's what's really pushing where people want to, you know, take their next trip. I just want to poll the audience. Who here in the last two or three years has used a travel agent? 
One, two, Moshe, you don't count. Um, three. Everything else from some sort of online booking or system to, to be able to travel. Yeah, and that's, travel. that's what, you know, I mean, the millennial market, and to John's point, is such a, we've never really seen a consumer group like the millennials. They're the first group of consumers that have grown up in a digital age. You know, like they, they didn't have T, I mean, if you're old enough to know what VCRs are and cassette tapes and, you know, some of these, they don't that, know, some actually. millennials don't know, like, you know, they've never had that. They've grown up in the age of iPads and iTouch and, you know, cell phones and smartphones. And so it's just, you know, everything's going digital. And so that's where they're getting like all of their ideas for not just places they want to travel, but just where, what they want to spend their money on and, you know, where they want to spend their time. It's, it's really being powered by, you know, so. Brett, the future of travel. So before I get into the future of travel, I kind of want to give everybody here a landscape of understanding, you know, what are the levels of flying privately? And really there's about three to four of them, right? There's the super, you know, wealthy individual who can afford to buy his own plane, right? 10 to $15 million plane, hire his own staff, own operations, right? The whole nine, right? And can, Again, and, someone else you might want to grow up to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, you know, somebody else that's underneath that, that may not necessarily can afford the 10 to $15 million plane, but can afford a $2, a $2 million plane and have that plane operated. And when that plane is not being flown by themselves, they charter that out. Right. And then you have the people who are kind of the millennial crowd, right, who are growing, growing up on this ride sharing platform where it's kind of like the Uber of jets, right, where I can pay a membership fee and I'm able to get on a plane and share a, a seat with, you know, some people that I don't know. Right. And I think the different the uh, the key difference between us and a lot of those other people is that most of the people that fly privately with us fly because of the, they don't want those reasons. Right. They don't want to get on a plane with someone that they don't know. They don't want to get on a plane and have to deal with delays because, you know, this person's running later. This it's actually a funny story. Someone who was on one of these ride sharing platforms had their dog in somebody else's seat. Right. And they were like, well, can I sit here? And they're like, no, my dog's sitting there. Right. So they literally complained, right, to the company. I'm not going to say the company's name, but they complained to the company. Right. So how I continue to see it evolving is this, this ride sharing platform to where we're now able to take a jet to New York and there's maybe 28 exec, 28 executive seats and it's at a much cheaper price than flying first class. Jonathan, where do you see the future of travel going? <clears throat> Technology, uh, in terms of the guest experience, I believe that we are trying to bring the guest out of the guest room and bring them into the public space, bring them into the lobby, make it an experience. I don't know, many of you people travel in secondary and third markets. You know, if you have to go to, say, like Ohio or anywhere out west, just somewhere not in the downtown market and you're looking for somewhat of an enjoyable experience, you don't want to just check into a, a courtyard in Marriott and while the hotel might be sold out, you walk into the lobby and it's just a dead experience. You want a vibe, you want a feeling, you want an experience. So what we're trying to do with the Marriott and Starwood brands are we're trying to create a public space experience that's going to want to encourage you to continue traveling and make the experience of going on business trips more enjoyable by bringing you know live entertainment um, speakers venues 
bringing you and engaging you in the public space environment and keeping you out of the guest room. You know, and for a lot of you, you know, think of those hotels that we're talking, you know, under that brand, um, you know, the Marriott, the Ritz, the W, the St. Regis, you know, the, the Four Points by Sheridan. It really runs a gamut of, of hotels that all fall under that umbrella. Jonathan, how do you see that shift from, you know, travel used to being more of a service to now being more of an experience? So, again, it, it focuses... Today, it's, there's a big push on technology, and it's it's constantly evolving. We, you know, we just unveiled a a robo concierge in an Aloft brand, where you dial room service, and a robot comes to deliver your towels or your bottled water. Where is that? Throughout Aloft brands. Really? Yeah. You'll have a robot come to your room. Wow, can you choose like male or female? <laughs> or I guess they're gender neutral? There's actually there's actually a hotel in Asia. It's it's actually a holiday inn and the entire hotel I'm telling you the truth, there is not one employee in the hotel. That's amazing. Okay? It, the entire hotel is controlled by robots. Okay? You check into the hotel, there is no human interaction. Is that Zero. a good or a bad thing? I don't know. It's all relative, right? It's all relative, <laughs> I guess. It, it's, it, 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 it's great for the business traveler who's constantly on the move and doesn't want to deal with human interaction. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's not so great for the traveler who wants the customer service experience. So it's, it's a matter of what your preference is. Uh, Gil, you're, you're always traveling around all the major hot spots, you know, having to spend things like oh, August and Mykonos and, you know, all the, the real struggles out there and that sort of thing. It's been tough. It's been tough. I can tell the struggle's real with you. Um, what kind of patterns do you see as you're having some of these luxury experiences uh, across the world? Well, I honestly believe that, like, social is really exposing a lot of things that people don't know about. And... Even for the big brands, because um, we've made it our business to know the travel business. There's a lot of influencers that, um, you know, may have a travel theme page or may travel a lot, but very few actually own their own travel company. And so what, I, what I'm seeing is that the ones that really understand and are embracing how to use social media, especially in like, you, you brought up Mykonos, which is a good, good uh, point. I went to this place in Mykonos and I sat down with the owner and the general manager and over the last three years, they have removed themselves from these big luxury travel consortiums and there's a, there's a bunch of them out there where you basically align yourself with other brands and they're supposed to drive you business and they said, well, you know, we pay a fee every year to do this, it's not really working, we're going to take the money that we would pay to do that and we're going to fly in these different influencers and they handpick influencers from YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and made it their business to really curate personal experiences that would talk to the followers of those individual influencers. And about two, you know, three summers ago, they were running about 75% occupancy. Um, and this last summer when I was there, they were running about 94. And so anyone that knows the hotel business, you know, like a lot of the hoteliers are like, well, that's great, you give me, you know, when you come to stay at the hotel, but we don't know if it's working. And then when you sit down with someone that's really embraced it and gets it, 
You know, it's, I'm seeing this happen a lot all over the world. I've seen it happen at places in Bali, I've seen it happen in Mykonos, I've seen it happen in like different places in Europe and, you know, in Thailand. And it's, it's becoming a trend. And that's why Starwood's hiring someone like John to come in and make their brand, you know, younger and more accessible because these smaller boutique places that understand the social space are taking away market cap from the bigger, more established hotels. And how exactly are they doing that? Because it seems to be a, a curated approach to the conversations they have with these influencers, the types of pictures that they're showing, the type of content that they're putting out there. Yeah, and not, I mean, when it start again, when it started like three, four years ago, if you had a couple hundred thousand influ or followers on any platform, like all the hotels were just handing out free stays, right? And you guys have probably all followed an influencer or someone, you know, a celebrity that, you know, travels a lot and they're at these different places. <clears throat> they knew that it was in the long term going to generate revenue, but there hasn't really been a correlation for it. But it's the ones that are really focused on people that are going to book the hotels and having them put out quality content, not the scandalous stuff that I know you've all seen. You know, so they actually give pages. guidelines and suggestions for what they want. Yeah, we actually help hotels establish those guidelines. We talk to them about what their goals are and who are your customers and where are they coming from and like who do you want to be at this hotel. And for the hotel that I stayed at, Mykonos, um, when I got there, I was completely blown away because the crowd was, you know, if you've ever been like Miami, New York, LA, like super vibey, you know, everyone there was like super, you know, in the scene. And there was just a, like, like he said, there was a scene there. You'd want to be at this hotel and it was packed. And even people that weren't staying at that hotel that were just on the island were coming there to have dinner and have drinks just to be, you know, in the scene and see who was staying there. And while I was there, there was probably five other influencers at the hotel that had over two million, you know, followers. And that was bringing people that were watching their live feeds over just so they could see, you know, if they could meet them. So when you're on a much bigger scale, Jonathan, for example, and it's not a small boutique, but you're trying to really get those kinds of crowds and that kind of interaction on a much bigger scale, how do you even begin to approach that? That's a big daunting task. Yes. Social media has become the Achilles heel of the hotel industry. <laughs> Uh, how many people, and by show of hands, how many people had an amazing experience at a hotel and posted it on social media? Say 40% of the room, maybe? Right. How many people had a bad experience and posted it on social media? Right. One? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Right. Right. So we, we've done research and, you know, we study this where social media is, is a great platform. It's, it, it's a great engine to promote your brand. But we're struggling right now in trying to figure out solutions to encourage guests to deliver positive feedback on their hotel experience. So they're obviously review sites and that sort of thing, but you mean actually on their own personal platforms? Yes. All right, guys, um, what's one tip of advice? I mean, there isn't anyone who doesn't want to travel, but maybe um, it's a, an access thing or an expense thing. What is one piece of advice you would give to young people wanting to, to travel and, and really explore the fact that they value experiences? And that's what millennials especially are spending their money on these days. What's a piece of advice that you would give them besides be you? 
No, you know, and that's that's a great question because, you know, the name of our page is Luxury World Traveler. So if you follow us, we're really like a destination marketing company first. It's just that when we show hotels or boats or planes, you know, or cars, it's always the higher end or the, you know, the more affluent lifestyle. Um, obviously, and that's our name, Luxury World Traveler. So we run into this a lot, and you know, our travel directors here, we get hundreds of people every month that contact us that want to stay at some of these places. And they, you know, a lot of them become very shell-shocked very quickly when they you know, realize that the overwater bungalow at the Four Seasons you know, may not be in their budget, you know? And so... <laughs> Shocking how that happens. Doesn't mean they don't want to go there. It just means that, you know, as they it stands today, it, you know, right? it's expensive. 10 or 12 grand a night might not be something that, you know, they can afford to do. And this happens a lot. And so for us, you know, there's a lot of different places to book travel. And, and I've really like studied the travel industry. And so um, I would say one... For people that really want to travel, like I think following people like the Points Guy online, it's a it's a blog where it basically shows you how to arbitrage credit card um, your credit card into like getting miles and stuff like that is is a really good way of doing it. And you know, becoming part of a travel um, website that has like a really good rewards program, you know, is also something that would I would really encourage like people to Mary do. Off. Yeah, like. <laughs> like them and you know and um we like we saw such a demand for this and that so many people were like hey we want to go i want to go to bali but i can't stay at the ritz but i still want to go see that waterfall and the beach and they still want to go to the destination um and over the last three years we've seen so much of this and i i really am just passionate about having people travel because i think it's like the best education you can have in the world you know like going to the Maldives and Thailand and Bali and Greece and all these places I've been able to go over the last three years is a blessing and I love it. But I think what's even more important is that when I'm out, I meet other people that travel the world. And for those of you that are travelers, you know how those people are. Like traveling is the best education you can have because it does something to you that I don't think anything else can do. You know, it, it transforms you. It makes you more open to other cultures and other people and, you know, really like brings down any of the biases that the media or people that, you know, have raised you, have taught you about foreign different lands. You know what I'm saying? And it really like brings people together. And so like, I'm, I want more people to have that experience because I feel like today, especially if you turn on the news, Everything is that, that's being pushed out there, all the agendas are made to divide us, whether it's politics or race, religion, your gender, your sexual preference, all these different things, where you're born, like it like divides, divides, divides. And travel is one of those things when you actually go. Like for me, I went to Turkey in February, a month after the airport bombing. Everyone's like, you're crazy. And it's like, you know, it's terrorists and it's Muslims. And like everyone has this like preconceived notion as to what they think the country is. And then I go there and I meet the kindest people in the world. I had the best experience ever. I met, you know, some of the nicest people that were Muslim, that showed me the city. And, you know, I came back and now I know what Turkey is and I know what their culture is. And you can't like judge an entire country or entire race based off of one or two bad pieces of press. So, you know, I, that's why I, once I learned the industry, all that to say this, I went out and I created my own travel booking site just to help people get access to better deals so they can go have those experiences. It's not about making money. It's about like getting people to really go immerse yourself in another culture and then, you know, have that experience.
that makes sense? And Brad, I mean, everyone would love the, the opportunity to be able to, to fly private. Some people are closer to that than others. But what piece of advice do you give to, to young travelers who are just really wanting to um, experience the world? You know, kind of back to Gil's point, um, you, you have to really know your customer. And I tell a lot of younger, you know, millennials, uh, I kind of fall in that category, so I feel weird saying that. <laughs> but, you know, I tell them that, you know, you have to understand this is still a luxury service, right? And, you know, you just have to know where you're at. And the people who travel with us understand that time is the most important thing. It's the most important thing you cannot buy back and get more of. So the people who travel with us value time more than anything, and they're willing to pay, you know, swipe a card in a, in a second to be where they need to be, to be at that business meeting, um, to be at, you know, one of the, you know, head of states is, is, is speaking, uh, you know, at a conference, right? So. I think for private luxury travel, it's a little bit different than Gil per se, because Gil started this off of a passion and off of a love of wanting to provide travel for not just himself, but other people. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of, you know, in the middle with John, because I'm, I'm, my question for John, and I've just been thinking about this the whole time. Please. Yeah, no, I've just been listening to it and I'm like, how has Airbnb affected your industry? Yep. Like, I'm really curious. We're going to get there. <laughs> He's like, wait, get, give me a drink before I answer this. So, no, it's interesting. I, I was actually at the at the pool today. At the, I was actually at the pool today at the Four Seasons Hotel, and I was sitting next to a couple. I would say they were in their probably in their sixties, and they're from San Diego, and uh, they actually booked an Airbnb and they had a horrible experience. They ended up checking out and checking into the Four Seasons Hotel. And I asked them what went wrong. They just said, you know, the owner showed up, he was harassing us, we had landscapers, all sorts of things. So Airbnb can be amazing and it cannot be. But when you're traveling to a hotel, the thing you guys wanna know is you're buying an insurance policy. That's the bottom line. Whether it's Marriott, Starwood, Hilton, Hyatt, at the end of the day, they're protecting you and they have the best interest. Whatever experience you have, they are going to cover you. With an Airbnb, it's hit or miss. It could be amazing, it could be the greatest experience of your life and it could be traumatic. But when it's traumatic, <laughs> to say the least, when it's traumatic, you do not have an insurance policy. Okay, when, when you stay at a franchise property, they have your back. So that's what I would tell you to do. <laughs> now, and you're not biased at all. No. Now, in, in downtown markets like Manhattan, Chicago, Austin, Texas, yeah. Airbnbs could be great. Uh, you have a question? Yes. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> Only a friend can ask that question, right? I, I, I didn't say I was staying there. I was at, I was at the pool there. <laughs> ah, very good. And, and we are working on bringing a, uh, a luxury brand to the Los Angeles market, if anyone's interested. Very interesting, very interesting. What, what piece of advice would you give, Jonathan, to young travelers? Are you familiar with OTAs, online travel agencies? Booking.com, Expedia, screw them. 
I I'm telling you straight up. Why? Develop a relationship with the hotel. Pick, pick up the phone, call the hotel, tell them that you're looking to come and stay there, and develop a relationship, a personal connection. I promise you, you will get a better rate, you'll get a better experience, and they will treat you like kings and queens. You know, I have a question about that because I've actually directly called a hotel when I saw a price online that I wanted, thinking that maybe I could save whatever the, the booking difference was. I don't know what they get, 2%, 5%. Um, and, 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 and so can you, will they price match? If I call and say, look, this is what I saw for this night on Expedia or whatnot, can those kinds of conversations be effective? Yes, 100%. Engage the hotel. Do not be embarrassed, do not be afraid to ask the question. Call up the front desk and say, you saw a rate on Expedia booking hotels.com at $99 or $500, whatever the price is, and on your website that you're advertising, it's higher. Can you match it? They will make sure to beat it. Not a question. And, and that, can I just add on to that? Please, that's a, that's a good. That's a really good piece of advice. Um, what I would say, though, is that we're, there's actually seen a trend, not with the millennials, but with the 35 and olders. A lot of people are coming back to agents, and most people probably have a preconceived notion about using a travel agent. So we, I myself, we own a luxury travel concierge, um, and people think, oh, well, if I use an agent, then I'm going to pay more, which is not really the case. And the reason I'm saying that is because John's saying establish a relationship with the hotel, but if you have a really good agent, like we have a really good agent um, agency that takes care of our people, not only are they gonna take care of you, but a lot of them already have a relationship with the hotel. And there are consortiums that we can become members of, and they have events all the time where they're meeting people, and when we have a client, like right now, if any of you here were to go online and to go try to book the Beverly Wilshire Four Seasons, you're gonna see the same price on their website as you're gonna see as on Expedia and Travelocity and all these different places. It's called um, price parity. They, ha they have to have the same price. But because we're a member of a consortium and we have a relationship and we know the people there, you could book through us. We're not gonna charge you anything. You're gonna get a room upgrade automatically. You're gonna get a free breakfast. You're gonna get an early check-in and a late check-out. And you're gonna get some kind of resort credit towards a massage, towards food and beverage, whatever, and it doesn't cost any more. And that all just comes from having that personal relationship with these hotels. And most people don't even know this, they exist. They, you know, they, they, how is that possible? So I would say on his, going off of his point, yes, establish one, but if not, get an agent that has you know, relationships, because the relationship goes a long way to getting you a lot of things at a hotel. And most, you can account for that. You get things at hotels that I don't even get, and it's because you know everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you know, um, we've, we've started to see a lot with Ivy um, how much people really want to spend um, on experiences and even the people that they go with. We're, we've been taking people to Machu, we're about to take people to Machu Picchu and to Costa Rica. I actually went on the, the Cuba trip. Um, you know, Iceland is another very popular one. And we're just seeing that it's not only the experience that they want to have, but um, it's the people that they do it with as well. And I think, Jonathan, you're touching a little bit about that um, when you're at some place to really experience who else is kind of um, there with you in addition to the people that you bring. How do you cater 
cater to that and really make sure that not only do they really enjoy where they're at, but that it becomes a vehicle for true connectiveness when, when you travel. So first of all, if you don't mind me interjecting. Please. Um, when, going back to the last question, when it comes to OTAs, if you find a rate on an OTA that's cheaper than a hotel, then the franchise website that they're advertising, just so you know, you, can, you will get a free room. So you should all pay attention to that. If, if, and if it's a Starwood or a Marriott, tell them John said so. So the franchises, have, they have a concept called best rate guarantee. If you find a rate online that is advertised cheaper than the franchise website, you will get that room for free. So I just want to clarify on this. How do you do that? Do you say, can I please speak to the manager? I mean, how does that actually work if you want to call them on this? Uh, exactly. You have to be persistent. You have to be aggressive. And yes, can I speak to a manager? And, and, and you know, take, take a picture of, of the site. Screenshot. Screenshot it. Um, do not do, do not use my name. Okay. But yes, it does happen, and there are mistakes. You know, I I, I think I remember there was a, a while back there was a, a discrepancy online. Something happened where there were rates being sold at eighteen dollars, and um, people grabbed them, and the hotels had to match it. Yeah. Things like that happen. That's just a industry hotel policy? Yes. Best rate guarantee, remember that. Best every, rate guarantee. Every franchise website must match or beat an OTA. So you're much better off, you're much better off dealing with a franchised hotel than an OTA. There is no benefit you have by dealing with a third party website. And I'm not saying that as a franchise, I'm, I'm, I'm a hotel owner, I'm a, a traveler, I'm a guest. I don't sit up here and represent Starwood or Marriott corporate office. I'm representing you. I'm telling you right now, hands on, you will do much better dealing directly with the brand websites. That's our show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is presented by Smartwater. What makes Smartwater so smart? It starts with a little inspiration from the clouds, nature's pure source of water. Smartwater copies those puffy white clouds in creating vapor distilled purity, pure perfection. Smartwater also has electrolytes, which helps give it that clean, crisp taste. Clouds will always be the inspiration, since the water is vapor distilled for purity. Purity you can taste, hydration you can feel. Choose Smart Water or Smart Water Sparkling today and at your local retailer.